been here. And I'm going to stay in that vein here tonight. I feel a strong spirit of impartation that's going to take place. And I can't get away from just this prophetic word that God is going to begin sending out. I just can't get away from that. I can't shake that. And so I want to do a, a step, and I want to come alongside some things. I know your pastor, he and I haven't talked, but I know I can just feel it in the spirit. He's been feeling this, and he's been teaching this. And I'm going to come alongside that, partner with him, and partner with you. And I believe there's going to be a strong spirit of impartation. In fact, Brother Brown was praying a moment ago, and he's, he was hitting on multiple times in his prayer what God laid on my heart to preach tonight. And so I'm thankful for that, that confirmation that God just gave. Uh, if you will just stay standing for a few moments, I'm going to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Uh, while you're turning there, I'm so thankful. Sister Jordan, thank you so much for cooking for me this week. And I'm so thankful for your spirit uh, very thankful that this is a dynamic team. God has given you a very anointed team, pastor and pastor's wife, pastor, associate pastor. Amen. So thankful for this team. I'm very thankful, very blessed. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says, The earth was without form and void, and look at the reality, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Something very clear should stand out to you right here is that God is not afraid, intimidated, petrified, none of that, of darkness. In fact, he stepped out of his throne, and that's what drew him, was the fact that there was darkness. God is not afraid of darkness. And God said, let there be lights, and there was lights. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Really quickly, Genesis 1 verse 16, just going to jump down. It says, and God made two great lights. This is important that we see what's going on here, okay? God made two great lights. The greater light, its entire job and focus is to rule the day. But there was a lesser light created, and its job was to rule the night. I want to just stop right there, and I'm going to build this theology for you, and I'm going to show it through you, to you throughout the entire Bible, that God gave something to rule the night, no matter how dark it gets, he created something that was designed to rule the night. And I feel a spirit of impartation here, and I want you to walk out of here this evening. We're going to have a time in the Holy Ghost. I fully believe, and I'm going to speak this into the atmosphere so that it's clear what we're going after tonight. I don't want to just be cloak and dagger. I want you to know what we're going after this evening. God wants to give you kingdom authority this evening. Kingdom authority so that when you walk out of these doors tonight, I want everything to change. I don't, I don't just go places just to preach, to have a sermon and go to the next place. I want things to change while I was there. And I believe that so strongly that things are going to change. Not because I'm here, but because the timing is right. There was a divine reason why things happen. And every evangelist is going to have their reason for being there. My reason God keeps putting on me is I want to activate some things. And I want something to change tonight. That when you walk out of this church, everything changes. And when you go out, you're going to have a full revelation. And hell's going to know you have this revelation. That you are in dominion. So I want you to lift up your hands right now. And I want you to expect that to take place tonight. And I want you to open yourself up to receive that because if you don't open yourself up to receive it, you'll walk out of here the same. Let him know. Father, I want to be changed tonight and I want a revelation of what you have designed me for. I want to get a revelation of what spirit is in me. And I want to walk into a dark world in absolute control. Not because of who I am, but because of what's in me. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you anoint me in a way that I've never been anointed for this precious group of people tonight. Lord, you change us this evening, myself included, that when we walk out of these doors, Lord, we will walk into a world and we will not be intimidated by darkness, but we will speak and things will change. We will disarm principalities. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. At the very beginning, the Bible shows us that the world was a chaotic wasteland and darkness was the major ruling force. But Genesis 1 verse 2 says that the Spirit of God shows up amongst a dark, deconstructed, and chaotic world. And the first thing that we ever see the Spirit do is if you ever need to understand why we believe in speaking in tongues, it's because the first thing the Spirit did in your Bible was speak. That was the very first thing the Spirit did was He opened His mouth and He said a word. And it's interesting because in Hebrew, it tells us that the words He spoke was or. And it's interesting because when you read that, you can't unsee it. He literally says His own name, let there be light. And we see that crop up again in Exodus because He says, I will be what I will be. It's the same exact word there. That was used in Genesis. So the Lord shows up. He says his name. And what else would appear when he says his name but light? Because when his name appears, light breaks forth. And God steps out of a throne, out of a heavenly place. Because he was drawn to chaos. He was drawn to deconstruction. He looked at emptiness and he said, that's where I want to be. And he comes down there. But this, here's the thing you've got to walk away with. Is that when God showed up and spoke his name, it did not stay chaotic. It did not stay dark, and it did not stay deconstructed. He abolishes the chaos, and he fills up the emptiness. And it all started with his name, his presence, and light. The Bible says that God then saw the light. And this is the, the, the Bible says that it was tob, which is the Hebrew word for good. He looks at it, and he says, this is a good thing that I have done. And we need to understand that that word Saul means he was intimate with it. He analyzed it. He looked it over. And then he stood back and he said, this thing that I have taken time with, I am pleased with it. It is important that we understand that we must be pleasing unto God. Because God is analyzing what claims to be light. And he's looking at it and he says, ah, It's shiny, but it's not pleasing. The next thing that he does once he is pleased with what is shining forth is the Bible says he separates it from darkness. That's a really interesting word, separated, because the next time you'll see that word used in the Hebrew is when he talks to his priests. And he says, I have separated you unto myself. And it's very clear what God is doing here in Genesis and what he was trying to do with the priest. He looked at the priest and he saw the shining forth of those stones on their chest. And he saw the gold plate that would glisten in the sun. And he looks at it and he says, this is good. Now I'll separate you from everything else because you are now working for me. And you're going to be going throughout the church, the synagogue, the temple. You must be pleasing unto me. Not just shiny. And you must be separated. 
Then he gives the light and identity because God doesn't just stop with something that he sees and sees that it's good. And he doesn't just stop with separation. He then gives it a name. He gives the light and identity by calling it day. The first thing this creative God focuses on is the existence of light. His spirit precedes it. His spirit saw it. His spirit separated it. And finally, his spirit called it and gave it authority through giving it an identity. But then the Bible shows us that God does something especially unique with this entity of light. When you read closely in the original Hebrew, Genesis 1.16 shows that God took that light and he tore it in half. And by tearing the light in half, he said, okay, one aspect of it is going to rule the day. And this second aspect of it is going to rule the night. This is interesting because we have light, one ruling day, one ruling night. And we don't even have seasons or anything yet. So there's something deeper going on here that has something more to do than just a sunrise and a sunset. There is something spiritual that's taking place in the atmosphere at this point because God is doing all of this on day one. There's no day two, there's no day three, day four yet. This is all taking place at this time. Something spiritual is going on. And the Bible says that he gave the greater light. That word greater means higher authority. And to a lesser light, which was a lower authority, he told it to rule the night. He makes a lesser light in the image of a greater light. And he gives it dominion over the entity of darkness. You see what God is doing here. He's basically saying... The darkness was a major ruling factor when I showed up. And so I will always have something here on this planet that will hold it accountable. Darkness will never be able to just be ever again. I will have something that holds it accountable. Verse 17, and God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. To rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God looks at it, he analyzes it, he says, oh, this is good as well. The lesser light is good because it's in the image of this greater light. The very nature, the very existence of light was to separate darkness and to have something present to rule over it. God did not abolish darkness. He left it here for a season and a time, but he didn't leave it as the major ruling factor. He left something that would rule over it. From verse 2 onward, darkness could no longer just be. It had to submit itself to something greater than itself. The unique thing about light is it's the only thing in the universe that can extinguish darkness by its presence alone. I want that to sink in. That darkness literally flees the moment light appears. If you can catch this revelation by the end of this sermon and remember that statement that the moment light walks into the atmosphere, darkness is immediately fleeing. We will walk in places of dominion with far less fear if we get this revelation. That when you show up, there is an entire host of spirits that bow and say, behold, the image of God is in our midst. If we catch that, we will walk, not with arrogance, we will walk with authority. And it all has to stem from something God saw that was good, something that God separated, and something that God called. 
When we can live in that reality, then we can be what He designed us to be. And when the enemy sees something that God saw was good, separated and called, the enemy bows. However, God did not abolish darkness. There would be a spiritual darkness that the Bible was trying to warn us about, trying to convince us of, not to make us fear, but to make us aware. The Bible is not a book that makes us afraid. It is not a book that gives us fear. It is not constantly telling us to be scared. It's this, the whole Bible is designed to make us aware so that we can prepare, not to make us aware so that we would be scared. The point of this book was awareness for preparedness. That's the point of the Bible. And one of the things that it's making us aware of is that darkness is still here. But it's equally trying to show us, but there is still something that rules over it. This shadow, this darkness began to cascade itself. There was a spiritual darkness in the garden that was trying to touch the suns of light. And it stretches out its ugly little fingers and it grabs a human. It grabs Eve and it begins to manipulate. It begins to distort and it begins to make what was good separate and called. It begins to try to make it or them into an image of itself. Darkness wants to make you live in darkness. It wants to cascade itself over you. It wants to blind your eyes. It wants to rob you of revelation. It wants you to blend in. It wants you to compromise. That's what darkness's agenda has always been. And this darkness begins to stretch out of the garden even further. It touches Cain as he murders Abel. And more darkness begins to pour out onto the landscape of God's good creation. This shadow began to spread throughout the pages. Of the Bible until Genesis 6 5 says that God saw, He analyzed the same word used. He began to analyze and He says, It's not good anymore. I see wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every thought of his heart was evil continually. And it seemed that darkness had consumed the earth. But God looked and He said, There's one ruling, and His name is Noah. And Noah was still ruling over the darkness of his hour because God will always have at least one. Whether it's you or not, he's going to have somebody. He's going to have a church. He will always have somebody that is operating in a realm of dominion. We need to make sure that we're walking in light, not shininess. We can polish things and make it glisten, but that doesn't mean it's pleasing. If it is not making an adversary bow, then it is just shiny. It's a bass bait that has no substance. It's not real live bait. We need to make sure that we're not just a false representation of what is real. Because we know how to shine like everybody else. There will always be light on the planet and it will always rule and hold night accountable. For darkness cannot just be. God didn't get rid of it, but he also keeps it in check. So God turns the world back into chaos. It started with water and God said, okay, if chaos is what you guys want, I'll give you over to the chaos you pursue. And a flood comes back. And the one who was found in the image of God, who was pleasing in his eyes, rises above all that chaos. And he exists and he rises to a heavenly place while everybody else was descending into chaos. This is what we need to make sure we're preparing for as we talked about last night. But the prophets pointed to the rising of the dawn of a new covenant. In fact, Isaiah 42, 6 says this. 
I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand. I will keep you. I will give you, listen to this, I will give you as the covenant to the people. And you will be a light for the nations. To open the eyes that are blind. To bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. From the prison those who sit in darkness. He was telling us, he says, guys, everything you heard about in Genesis, all that stuff you were reading about, that was a supernatural reality of what I would put upon my people. That thing that I showed in the beginning that was ruling over darkness, that's you. You're the ones who are going to operate in light, not shininess. You're the ones who are going to go to people. And you're going to be so filled with light. Just look at Moses. What did he look like when he came out of the presence of God? By separating himself, by going up there and being called good and by giving an identity this is what you can expect as you come down and the next thing we know we have a whole books of revelation being poured out of a man who was separated who was called and who had a quill and he had a paper and he began to write and he starts telling us revelation you and i can see things more clearly in the bible because of a man who walked in the light He speaks again through Isaiah in Isaiah 49, 6. He says, I will make you as a light for the nations. Listen to this. That my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. He said, I don't want this to just dwell in one little area. I don't want a flashlight ministry. I want an entire daylight ministry. I want, to, I want this to cover the earth. I want you to go out as little small lights. And I want you to come together in unity so that you're one big light. And everywhere you go, I want there to be light pouring out. When you go outside of a church building, take the light out of the bushel. Don't hide this light inside of a building and say, we had good church. We'll go be good church on Monday. Take the experience of Sunday out on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and bring the light to them. This is what we've always been called to do was to rule over darkness. But a shiny doctrine will try to vote in a solution. When the church says, no, I bring the solution. The president should be coming to us and asking us, what should we do in this dark age? Governors should be coming to the church and saying this, historically, you've always fixed the problem. What do you recommend we do? And if they don't do that, we should march to them and say, hey, historically, we've always been the one who rules. Here's what you should do. And that's why the Lord's about to raise up some prophets right now and send them out because there's going to be prophets that don't care what, they, what people have to say about them. They're just going to walk up to somebody and say, you need to understand that we're the ones holding back the problems right now. This world would be so much worse off if it weren't for the church still being here. Until he is moved out of the way, the son of perdition cannot even come. There is something that is holding hell back. That is the church of the living God. Darkness is afraid. And feeling that's been cascading, the darkness of fear that's been coming over North America, that is not our fear. That is hell's fear. We should be saying, if this is what I feel, then what is hell afraid of, is what we should be saying. Why am I feeling all this fear? I have personally, physically seen the spirit of fear. I was in a prayer meeting, Brother Brown, and I saw this spirit. It was about this tall. 
And it was solid, had no discernible features. It looked like a shadow. It was just solid. It was just black, solid black. And it looked like a, just a big shadow. It didn't even look like it had its own identity. It looked like it was in the image of something else. And I saw it. It was walking behind a person that I know very well. And it would not come out in front of the person. It was jabbing this person in the back. And I was watching this in a prayer service as that man was walking back and forth. And I didn't know what I was looking at. And it turned and it looked at me and its eyes were huge. It looked scared to death. And it stunned me, and I prayed. I said, God, I said, what is that? And the Lord spoke to me and said, that's the spirit of fear. I I laughed, and I said, it looks scared to death. And God spoke to me and said, what did you think fear was? The way the spirit of fear fights you is it puts what it is on you. That's the only way. And the best thing can happen to the church is we see these spirits because if they ever are revealed to us, then we would know exactly what they are and we would not bow to them. I looked at that and I began to think to myself, my God, I'm bigger than you. Fear is afraid. And so what it does to immobilize is it has to just choke you out and put what it is on you. And that's what's happening in our nation right now. It should not be in the church. Because there's light in the church. I'm here tonight to shed light on that spirit. That when you go out and you see something, you hear something, you don't bow to it, you spread light on it, and you just quickly let it know, I've seen you before, I know exactly what you look like, I don't bow to this. Is it all right if I just get a little weird on you? There was a darkness on the earth that blinded the eyes of the nations. Isaiah was keenly aware of this. God was even more aware. It corrupted the souls of man. A result of this great darkness was people would suffer. Murderers were taking place. Individuals went hungry. People were abused. The priesthood was no longer doing what they were called to do. But all of that changed at the birth of a baby. In fact, John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. What do you think John is doing right here? He's showing us something. He says, hey guys, let me write this book and let me set up the doctrine of what's going on. And let me use Genesis to explain to you there's another spiritual reality taking place. There is a, a greater light has shown up. The, the daytime is here. The sun has arisen upon our earth. We're walking in the lights. The light shines in the darkness, John would say. And the darkness has not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Watch this. He begins to point to the lesser light. He, was, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he shows, he says, hey guys, Jesus was this greater light. But there was one, there was a John, there was a human made in his image who wasn't the light. He was torn off of him and he was a lesser light that was bearing witness to him. He was a reflection of that. And he was revealing things to us. We wouldn't have known that this was the light unless the lesser light had dominion and spoke and said, Behold, look who's amongst us. There would be another man named John writing a gospel and he was saying, 
Do you realize what walked in our presence? It was daytime while he was here. The stronger light mentioned in Genesis 1 has arrived. There is a greater light amongst us. This light came and he healed the sick because that's what you expect when light shows up. He touched the dead and they jumped back to life because that's what happens when daytime is amongst us. He preached the gospel of peace to the poor because that's what light does. He's not afraid of chaos. He speaks. He's not quiet. He he comes where there is absolute anarchy. He comes where there is rebellion because he's not afraid of any of that stuff. He doesn't shy away from it. He goes and sits with sinners because he's not afraid of sinners. He just sees chaos and emptiness. And he, as God, said, I'm still drawn to chaos and emptiness. But when I show up, things will change because I am the greater light. I am the higher authority here. I rule while I am here. I am not afraid to go into the wilderness and to be tempted. I'm not afraid to go over there. I'm not afraid to tell you what the Word says in spite of what you think it says. I'm not afraid to speak what the saith the Lord, because I am the light, I have authority. You abide in darkness, and darkness can try to flex, but darkness can never do anything to me, because when I show up, darkness always flees. He forgave sins. He began to open spiritually blinded eyes. And they were looking at him and saying, Oh, I had no idea that's what the Bible was talking about. I didn't know because light was revealing things to them. He sets the captives free. He exposes darkness. And when he just shows up, demons begin to bow and say, Don't cast us out before our time. You can't get rid of us yet. We're still here. And Jesus would say, That's right. But you can't stay with what's made in my image because that image is a lesser light. And he is called to rule over you. So you have to leave immediately. And they go into animals. This is what happens when Jesus comes into the atmosphere. What do you think we've been praying since Jesus went to the cross? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want light to appear in an atmosphere so that when you do... Everything that is not like you flees. We are not an intimidated church. We are not a fearful church. We are not a worried church. We are not an anxious church. We are faith-filled because we know what is living inside of us. We don't just quote a cliche sermon or scripture that says, Greater is he that is within me than he that's in the world. I believe that with every fiber of my being. There is something that comes over me when I walk out of a prayer room and I walk to a Starbucks a Walmart or I walk into a job it does not matter what's there I walk in and I feel an authority on me it's not an arrogance I know who I've been talking to I know whose image I'm in I know that the Lord has told me certain things in his word and I've been striving to be pleasing in his eyes I've been striving to be separate from the world I have a calling I have a name I have an identity that's put on me and I can walk in this authority that's why I'm not afraid to look at certain spirits that's why I'm not intimidated. I'm not there to be arrogant. I know what spirit I'm filled with. And I want you to walk out of this room changed tonight, fully convinced that you're filled with His Spirit. And when you walk into the world, when you walk amongst family members, when you walk and look at people, there's something that comes over you. And there should be an uneasiness that comes over somebody. I used to love it when I would go to work with my dad and people would slip a cuss word and they say, I'm so sorry, Brother Holloway. They would call my dad Brother Holloway and they didn't even attend our church. There was something about my dad's presence that when he walked in, people looked at it and they knew I shouldn't have done that in his presence. And my dad with authority would say, that's all right, just don't do it again. And they didn't. There was something 
that walked into the room that was full of authority. There was something about it when I would watch my dad walk into a church service and there'd be a young man filled with the devil on the front pew. And when my dad walked in, he would start squirming a little bit. And my dad looked at him and he said, boy, there's a devil that's entertaining you right now. And that devil would look at him and say, cat, don't cast us out before our time. Looked at my father and said these things. Well, that's only for Jesus. Well, my father's filled with the Holy Ghost. And that devil would begin to squirm. And he would look at my dad and he said, Go ahead, cast us out. I'll go into your daughter. And my dad looked at them and said, You have no idea what you just said. That girl lives in my home, and my home is covered in the blood. You have no access and no jurisdiction to my daughter. And that dude screamed to the top of his lungs and went limp, and that devil left. There had to be a voice that was speaking of the Spirit to let the adversary know, Don't try to lie to me. I know what my Bible says. My daughter's covered in the blood. You have no jurisdiction here. And let me remind you of it, because the devil will test your knowledge of the Word. Do you know who you are and what kind of dominion you and I walk in? Jesus would say these words in John 8, 12. Listen to what Jesus would say of himself. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you will follow me, then you'll be like me. If you're near me, then I can call you good, and I can call you separate, and I can give you a calling, and I can allow you to walk in dominion. I can allow you to walk in revelation because I am the light, and anything that's close to me should be like me. But this light would not walk on the earth forever. Jesus was keenly in tune with his call. He knew what he was here to do. The sun was destined to set for a season. And he tells his disciples this in John 9, 4. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming, he said. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as I'm here... This is what you should expect to see. You should expect to see revelations. You should expect to see demons cast out. You should expect to see the dead raised. You should expect to see all these things. But nighttime is coming. But don't fret. Because I'm always going to have something that holds the night accountable. Watch this in John 12, 35. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. Here, I want to just go ahead and squash a theology that's popular in our world right now. Believing in the light didn't mean you would become the light. It's not just this. It's not how Hebrew literature works. In John 3, he tells them exactly, you must be born again of water and of spirit. That's John 3, 5, right? We know all that. That's one of our favorite scriptures. John 3, 16 tells us about, you know, he's... God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believed in Him should be saved. And we read that out of context, and we say, if we just believe in Him, then we're saved. No, that means believe in His words. John 3.16 is connected to John 3.5. What did He just say? Believe that, and you'll be saved. Don't just believe in Him. Me, me believing in these light bulbs makes me, makes me no more a light bulb. Right? Knowing how to make a light bulb because someone taught me how in a factory, that's different. I can now reproduce the light. Doesn't, still doesn't make me a light bulb, but I can produce light. I can believe in His Word doesn't make me the saver. 
But it helps me to reproduce salvation and be saved. Making sense? So believe in the light and you shall be sons of the light. Believe in everything that I've done and do it. Don't be just hearers of what I did. Do what I said. And then you can walk in the existence of light. This is more complex than just believing in him and we're all good. There was a darkness. Watch this. After all of these mighty deeds that Jesus does, his greatest deed was to go to a cross because he's conquered the adversary in the wilderness. And the last thing left was to conquer the grave because that was the scariest thing for the ancient man. They just, if you just die, you cease to exist and you go back to the dirt of the ground. And God said, no, no, that's not going to be the reality anymore. I'm going to take dominion even over death. And in order to take dominion over death, I'm going to let death have dominion over me. This is a powerful concept. Jesus knew in order to possess death, he had to be possessed by death. He had to allow himself to be attacked by death. Warfare is your greatest friend. Let me put it this way. Problems are your greatest catalyst into authority. Let me say that one more time. You battling depression... And overcoming it by the blood of the Lamb will be your greatest blessing. Because when you overcome it by the blood of the Lamb, you can then speak to depression when it comes back and say, No, no, we've already gone to the battlefield. I was victorious through the blood of the Lamb on the last time. I speak to you and tell you not to come back. And when you do that, God will begin to give you authority and dominion. And you can grow in that dominion to the point to where you see somebody and you discern their battling depression. You can speak to the spirits around them. I was in a church where I felt strong adultery in the church. And my wife and I have safeguards and all these things in our lives so that we don't fall into that sin. I have authority and dominion over that spirit. And when I walked in, I felt the spirit because that spirit has to tell me where it's at because it submits to me. Not me, but the spirit that's in me. And I walked in and I felt the spirit. And I turned to my wife and I said, what spirit do you feel in here? And she she said, the spirit of adultery. I said, okay, that's the one that it is. And the Lord showed me the person that was dealing with it. I went to the pastor and I said, uh, I said, tell me a little bit about the history of your church. And he began to pour into me. He said, man, this church has a long history of adultery and problems. And he said, but thankfully we got it out. And I said, oh, I said, brother, it's in your pulpit. And he looked at me shocked and he said, are you serious? I said, yes. I said, but hear this closely. I don't say this arrogantly. I said, while I'm here, We're going to have a breakthrough this week. But when I leave, when I leave, the authority goes with me. You're going to have to get dominion and authority, though, in order to speak to that spirit. Just because I came here and we had a breakthrough, that authority goes with me to the next church. That's my authority. You're going to have to get it for yourself. You can't have this preacher religion. And you can't call me back every time there's a problem. You're going to have to put safeguards in your own life. And you're going to have to be separate. You're going to have to be called good. And you're going to have to be given an identity and be in the image of your creator. And so that you can have dominion. And you're going to have to have some private battles that leads to public authority. Sure enough, that Sunday, first time in five years, somebody got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Not because of me, because of the Spirit. Because of the spirit that's on me. The greatest thing, any of you. And I believe that right now the Lord is allowing problems. And it's upset some of us. Because we thought we were going to coast to the end times. And we really thought that we were going to just have an easy, just a free revival. 
God wants you to war. Prove that to me in Scripture. Okay. The Bible says in Judges that he saw a generation that came up that knew not war. So he left the Canaanites in the land so that they would know war. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Because he wanted them to have dominion over the inhabitants of the land that he promised them. If you've been battling something, and I know I'm way off my notes right now, but if you've been battling something in the spirit, if you've been battling something and you thought it was just brought on by a a circumstance, it probably was, but it was an introduction for you to have dominion in an area. Anxiety, fear, pain. I had back pain several years ago. The Lord miraculously healed me of it after showing me my own pride through it. God knows how to play multidimensional chess. He was giving me authority and he was humbling me at the same time. And afterwards, I could look at somebody and I can pick up, I can smell out a back problem. I can lay hands on that back problem. Brother Joe Campitelli, you've heard his testimony. He was sick. And after that, he was already operating in miracles. But after he was sick for a time, the Lord gave him a gentleness. And he said, I pray for people different now. He said, I don't shake them all over the place. I can just lay hands on them. He has dominion because he was sick. So he went through something, overcame it by the blood of the lamb, and now he possesses that. We always talk about demon possession. Do we ever talk about possessing demons? It's time to walk in this authority that we claim we have. So Jesus does all this. He comes out with power out of the wilderness. He walks. He casts out devils. He casts out sickness because he overcame it because he was separate. He he had an identity. He was good. But then he says, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to do the final act. I'm going to disarm every principality and I'm going to nail it to the cross. So that if you take up your cross, if you'll battle Golgotha with me, you can have dominion as well. So watch what happens. Luke 23, 44, it says, It was now about the sixth hour. Mind you, that is 12 p.m., high noon. Sun at its highest point. And watch this. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed. What do you think is happening right here? There was a great light, the one in whom the sun's light was made in the image of, was hanging on a cross. And in that moment, Jesus gives up the ghost, not because he was a quitter, but because he had to let death consume him so that he could consume death. And so he allows it to. And when it does, this has blown me away and it's changed my entire life when I read it like this. The sun looked at something greater than itself. The sun, the largest star in our galaxy, looked on earth and it zoomed in and it covered its face. It said, there's something greater than me that is setting right now. I'll submit and do likewise. How dare I let my light shine while he is diminishing and setting right now. And even though it goes against the natural order, it is 12 noon. I will bow as well. If the sun can bow for three hours... At the presence of something greater than itself. What is my problem? If the sun can cover its face in submission to a greater light than itself. Why can't I cover my face? 
and hit my knees and say, God, you're greater than I've ever been. This is the key right here. You won't walk in arrogance. You'll walk in authority. God wants to give you humility so you can walk in authority. But the only way to walk in that humility is you've got to recognize, I am made in the image of one greater than me. I'm not the greater light. I bear witness to that. I've been torn off of him. I'm not him. I am just going to, I'm going to do like the sun and I'm going to bow. Even though the sun in all its power, in all of its authority, in the middle of our solar system where the earth spins around it, even it said, no, there's something bigger than me going on. And it bows its head. And watch this. Remember I said there was two lights and God, or one light and God tore it in half? You can't miss this. Watch what happens after the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. He said, there's going to be something right next to the Shekinah glory that's going to have a remnant on it that I'm going to tear in half. And part of it's going to go back up. The other part's going to stay here. And right there, the church was born out of his rib. A new Eve, a new bride was born. You and I are the lesser light. And it's at that moment that spiritual darkness set. Why do you think the Bible always shows his return at night? He comes as a thief in the night. The five wise and the five foolish, they went into him at night. There's something that the Bible was convinced of that it was trying to show us. That it's showing us that while we're here... There is a darkness that seems predominant. And a weak church will say, oh, we're the minority. No, you're not. You hold that darkness back. The gates of hell was not an offensive scripture. Gates of hell was something was holding something else back. The gates of hell can't prevail against the light because when we show up, why do you think God wanted to send people? He said, because when you get there, the darkness that's there won't be able to hang out anymore. Tonight when you go outside, you know what that moon in the sky is going to tell you? It's going to tell you, yes, darkness is here, but you can still see because I'm here. And this light that you're experiencing off of me, the moon would say, it's not mine. I'm reflecting the sun on the other side of the planet. And you know what that moon is going to prophesy to you this evening? It's going to say, yes, it's dark. But the fact that I'm shining tells you that the sun still exists. Yeah. It's just not here yet. I'm testifying that it'll come soon enough. And my presence here is a testimony to the darkness. Don't get out of hand. I'm still here. The sun still rules. He's just not here in his time right now. And while I'm here, I represent him in this dark hour. And I hold everything that tries to cover the map. I hold it accountable. Guess what that moon has been trying to tell us ever since its creation? It's been trying to look at a human that's been made in the image of God and has been trying to convince us, go out there and don't fear the darkness in the world. Just show up up and you testify boldly and loudly and say while I'm here is there's the reality that the sun's coming back he may not be here now but the reality is that he's going to come in his time and you may look like you're the major ruling force it may look like governments are succeeding it may look like governors are succeeding and presidents are succeeding it may look like carnality is ruling it is absolutely not there is something here on this planet that is far greater than what's out there and when we really 
realize that, we will walk in a new dimension of authority. We'll walk into places and we'll walk in there and we'll know the second I show up in this room, every demonic spirit in this room will flee. Everything that's around me will bow. Every time you wake up in the morning, when God has found that you are good, you are separate and you are called. When you walk out there, every demonic force bows. It says, don't cast us out before our time. We're just cascading our darkness here for a season. We're just, we're just trying to make everybody fear. And we walk into the presence of those demonic spirits and they begin to bow and they say, the image of God is amongst us. We cannot exist while they're here. And demons flee. Don't lose your authority. Don't just be a shiny church. Don't be well polished. Don't try to polish a sermon. Don't try to make it shiny. Walk in authority. Watch what's going on prophetically. The Lord's been helping me with this. I feel such a strong spirit of prophecy on me right now. I live in southern Louisiana. A hundred yards away from my back door is a cornfield. And there are seasons of the year. Brother Brown, and you all know this. You know exactly what I'm about to start talking about. There are seasons of the year where I can look out my window at four o'clock in the morning. And I can see tractors, combines out there working in the dark of the night. They're doing that because there is one time of the year where the moon is its largest. And it seems closer than it's ever been. And that's during the time of a harvest moon. And it's during the harvest moon that workers, those farmers will say, we can go work in the field all night long, even though it's dark. We don't work just while it's day. We can work in the darkness because that that moonlight is bigger than it is all year long. So we're going to take in the harvest in the darkness. There is a swelling that's going on in the church. And there is a pressure that's going to happen. And it's going to increase in our world. The problems are not going away. God is trying to give us dominion. And there's going to be an increase of authority that begins to happen. And when we embrace that, in, that authority, the moon is going to seem like it's enlarging. And it's going to give way to a harvest in the darkness. And when we begin to inherit the problems and not run from them, but begin to speak to them as the Spirit did, and have dominion over these problems, and we walk with authority, then that moon is going to be at its largest and we're going to have the workers in our churches that are going to go out and they're going to be able to work and they're going to be able to see because they've got revelation they've got help they've got authority and that's where the end time harvest is going to come in not only does the moon control the harvest it also controls the tides it it controls the increase of the waters and the waters will spill on to the land Because the moon's gravitational pull will say, come on, overflow. Saturate. You just thought that you were just a regular old disciple attending a church and reading your Bible? No, ma'am. No, sir. God was giving you authority the moment you were filled with His Spirit. And He's trying to convince you of it tonight. And He's trying to let you know that when you show up somewhere, your gravitational spirit says, come on, overflow. Come out here. Let me tell you what this looks like. 
I came out of a prayer meeting in my office and I walked outside to go check the mail in my front yard. This was exactly two weeks after my son passed away and I didn't know what else to do but just go sit in his presence. And after I walked out of my prayer time, I went and checked the mail and my neighbor came out. He knew we were new there. We had just showed up about two weeks prior and he came out, he shook my hand and he said, hey, are you new in the neighborhood? I said, yes, sir. He looked at me and hear me, this isn't going to happen every time but we should expect these things at least a few times. He looked at me and he said, what is it that I feel on you? And I don't care. I just got a little weird. I really don't care what people think of me and how they, they perceive me. I looked at him. I said, it's probably my prayer time. He looked at me. He said, oh, I don't hear people talk like that anymore. I looked at him, and I just I was at a really vulnerable place. I said, yeah, it's a shame too, isn't it? It's a shame we don't hear people praying anymore. He looked at me. He said, I tell you what, since you pray, would you pray for me? I said, I would love to pray for you. And he looked at me, he raised his hands, didn't even tell him to do it. And I laid my hands on his shoulder. He began to pray and the Holy Ghost fell on that dude. And God baptized him with the Holy Ghost right there next to my my mailbox. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about when you've been in the overflow, your gravity should pull it with you wherever you go. And you should begin saturating people. And the harvest should start happening. People should come into your presence and say, oh... I never knew the Bible said that. I see it clearly now. That's what happens when you walk in the light. They should have a peace that comes over them and say, how come I don't feel like this when I go home and go to bed? And you look at them and say, because you're entertaining a spirit that I've separated myself from. We walk in authority. There's something about us that is different. And hear this right now. John was keyed in in his gospel to the greater light. He knew that greater light and he testified to us about it. And John is a unique author because John is the only one who has a gospel, an epistle, and a revelation. Nobody else has this. Only John. He wrote about Jesus. He wrote to the church about Jesus. And he told us about our future with Jesus. And listen, in his gospel, he tells us about the greater light. But in his epistle, he talks to the lesser light. 1 John 2, it says, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I am now writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. This is the church age right here he's speaking to, by the way. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother, he's still living in darkness. Whoever loves his brother, though, is abiding in the light. And in him there is no cause of stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. If we don't go out into the church, out into the world, and love those people that are made in God's image and are willing to do whatever it takes to bring a harvest and an overflow, then we are not walking in the light. We're a well-polished, shiny church with a faux light but we're not the true light. So how does this look? Brother Brown, can you go grab that mirror for me? I don't know if there's a way to just kill these lights for a moment. If there's not, don't worry about it. But there is. Help me with that. This is the hour we're living in. And we've got church people. If you can just hold that and just kind of just point it at me. This is us. This is the church right here. This is what we should do. But what we're doing... We're born and we're just we're facing the mirror in all the wrong directions. We're trying to polish this thing. We're trying to have a an image of reflection, but not true reflection. We're trying to have polished church, polished sermons, 
well-articulate Bible studies when we should just be telling revelation that we've got because we realize I'm not the light. But if I face the light, that's something entirely different. Because if we're facing the light, notice what's going on here. That mirror is not the light. This is. Watch what happens. If this stays in the glory long enough, imagine this brother right here walks in darkness. This is what we should do. Here, let me just shed a little bit on you what I've been walking in. Let me bring an overflow with me. Let me bring a harvest with me. You, you as well. I love my brother. I love my sister. I'm going to shed glory everywhere I go. Do you bring glory with you? Is the Shekinah glory reflecting off of a church that's facing him day after day after day? This is a praying church, and I've been loving my time here. But the thing I want to tell you is, bring that out there. All of you are church planters. All of you are, you're the church, are you not? So what did you expect? I'm to go out there and plant what I am everywhere. You are to bring this glory everywhere. You're to go into Walmart and look at somebody and immediately say, Oh, I discern depression. And you walk up to a total stranger and you just say, Hey, this may seem odd. Forgive me. I know that this, you probably don't hear this often, but are you struggling right now? Are you, are you struggling to fall asleep every night because just thoughts are plaguing your mind? And then somebody might actually start crying in that setting because you just hit a nerve of something that's been plaguing them. And you should begin to weep with them and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that that you've been dealing with that. I'm so sorry. Here, let me tell you the way I've been living, though. I used to feel that same way. Not anymore. I lived with that depression, but I got dominion over it. And while I'm here, a spirit won't be. And you can reach out a hand and pray for them. And that spirit immediately flee. And you should immediately tell them, listen, at peace that you feel, the reason why you feel it is because the presence of God is amongst you. But hear me, the moment you go back home, that spirit's going to try to come back on you. You need what I have. That authority that's on you goes home with me. You need to have this authority for yourself. What does that mean, stranger? You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need God to analyze you and call you good. You need the Lord to draw a line so that you sin no more. And He wants to separate you from that darkness you're living in. And just join the journey with me. I'll begin to tell you how to separate yourself. But just start right here. Allow the authority you feel around you to come on you. Because surely you don't want to live this way anymore. And then you should go find people left and right. And you should bring this marvelous light everywhere you go. We're the ones that are ruling in this dark hour. We don't in, we're not intimidated by this. No Notice everywhere this light goes, the darkness stops. That's the church. When you leave this room tonight, when you get in your car, when you drive through this city, everywhere you drive that car, the light that is in it begins to cut through the darkness that's in the world. And it flees to the left and to the right of your car. And it hides from you. You have no idea. You just think you're driving home, don't you? You think that you're just walking through Target. You think that you're just going to pick up a gallon of milk. But when you step foot in there, every spirit in the room cringed and said, Oh, no. The thing that rules over us is here. Don't let them know that they have dominion over us. Occupy them. Make them busy. Make them look at their phones. 
Make them worry about agendas. Don't let them know that they rule us. I want you to have a true, true, true revelation tonight. That when you walk out of this room, you pierce darkness. You aren't just here for a time being. You are ruling. Stand with me. This same man who tells the lesser light how to rule. Go out there. Love what's made in God's image. Spread light to it. Don't walk in darkness. Darkness just begets more darkness, but light makes it flee. This same man named John, watch what he would do in Revelation 22.5. He said, guys, there's coming a day. This is what we're preparing people for. This is what we've been preparing for. I told you about the greater light in my gospel. I told you about the lesser light in my epistle. Now let me tell you how this thing ends in Revelation 22.5. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or of sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. We're going to a place where there is no more darkness. The darkness will finally be locked away. It will finally be fully defeated. It would be because somebody was ruling over it though. Why do you think that that parable that Jesus was telling us, he knew exactly what he was telling us. He said there's going to be some wise people who walk around in a dark hour. And while they're walking around, this is going to be the reality. They're going to have lamps. This is going to be the reality. The foolish ones, they're going to have the image of a lamp. They're going to have a polished version of a lamp. But there's no light in it. And they're just walking around with the image of a lamp. But the darkness doesn't respect that. But there's going to be some wise ones who say, you know, we've got the image of the lamp and we've got the substance of a lamp. We're not hiding it. We're walking around with it. And that's... Light can only welcome in what is like it. So that greater light that was at that door, he said, what is like me? (laughs) Come on in. In that darkness, there were five wise that were walking around. But here's something that bothers me about that parable. Here's the reality of it. The wise were asleep as well as the fools. The wise were sleeping. And there was a voice, though, that nobody talks about that cried, Wake up, behold, a bridegroom's coming. I asked the Lord one day, I said, who was that voice? I want to know who that voice was, God. And God spoke to me, he said, that'll be the voice of my prophets waking up the church in that last hour. And the wise will shake themselves and say, it's time. And they won't have a polished version of a church. They're going to have the substance of everything Jesus was, the authority that he walked in. And they're going to walk in darkness holding lamps. Here's what the Lord gave me a year and a half ago, Brother Brown. I woke up out of a dead sleep, and I woke up. God didn't give me a dream. God's funny. I woke up out of a dead sleep into a vision. I think God wanted to show me something in that. Don't sleep while I show you this. Be awake while I show you this. And I woke up out of a dead sleep. Sister Jordan, this is what the Lord showed me. I saw as clear as day. I saw a vision. I saw the sun rise in the west. And immediately I was like, that's not normal. It rises in the east and it sets in the west. Why is it rising from the west? And God spoke to me and said, everything's going to change. It's going to be an upside down version. And that sun rose. And when the light spilled out over the western landscape, I saw three houses. And the light spilled through three windows. And I went to the first window and that light spilled into a house. 
and I saw a person laying there fast asleep, wasn't even stirred, didn't even flinch, didn't even move. They were just fast asleep, light hitting their face, didn't even flinch. And the Lord told me, he said, move on. And I moved on. He said, I want you to focus on that second house. I went to that second house and I saw someone in bed and they were stirring. The light was starting to hit their face and they were rubbing their eyes and they began to stir. And the Lord spoke to me, he said, that's, that's the ones right there. I can't do anything about them. They're intoxicated and they're okay with it. He said, but those that are stirring, that's who I want you to focus on. They're wide awake. He said, if you try to wake them up, you're going to wake them up in a rim cycle and they're going to start swinging at you. It's dangerous to wake somebody up in a rim cycle. He said, go to the ones that are stirred. And then he said, now go to the third house. And I went to the third house. When I looked through the window, it was somebody looking me back in the face. And they looked at me and they said this. They said, we've been waiting for this moment. We've been up all night. The sun is here. And God spoke to me this week. And he told me, he said, there are some that are stirred in this church. And you've been given a man and a woman of God that are in that third house. God's already spoken to me about your pastor. God spoke to me and said, he's been wide awake. He's been waiting for this. And hear me, I feel this prophetically. There's been a wearing out of him. And he said, I refuse to fall asleep. His wife has said, I refuse to fall asleep. I'm going to be awake even while it seems like everybody else is falling asleep. And there are those of you here tonight that have been stirred. And that's why God has lined it up for us to converge together. I'm here tonight to just come along with your pastor and nudge you. This is what I want you to do. Here's the impartation. I'm going to release a word and your pastor's going to pray with me. Brother Jared, you're going to pray with me. Sister Jordan, I want you to pray with me. All of you intercessors, I want you to pray with me. In fact, I want you to stretch your hands forward. If you are in here tonight and you're stirred, if you're getting a burden that you felt last night, it's time. It is time to walk in authority. No more apathy. No more just normal prayer meetings. No more just waltzing through the store. No, every time you go somewhere, I want you to have this mental awareness. While I'm here, darkness bows While I'm here, I have authority. But you can only walk that way if God has looked at you and saw that you're good, that you're separate, and you have an identity. If you don't have those things, you need to set some things aside tonight. You need to let it go if you really want to walk in that authority. Now, if you want to walk in kingdom dominion, I want you to lift up your hands. And I want you to pray like somebody who is stirred. I will only nudge you. I will not pull you out of bed, though. By the authority of God. By the authority that's in this room upon your apostles, your prophets, your evangelists, your pastor, your teachers. Lord, we release in this house right now dominion and authority. Every trial that these people have been fighting was to their benefit for them to walk in kingdom dominion. To the disciple in this room that's been fighting depression, that's been fighting anxiety, 
It's been fighting cynicism. It's been fighting apathy. It's for them to have dominion over those spirits so that they could speak to them, casting them out and walking in true dominion and authority. I want you tonight, if you've been fighting some things, I want you to seal it tonight. I want you to take authority over it. If you've been if you've been battling cynicism, I want you to kill it tonight and I want you to now speak against cynicism. If you've been battling apathy, I want you to speak to apathy. I want you to cast it down and I want you to have dominion over it, speaking to that dark spirit, telling it to flee the room. If you've been battling a sickness, I want you to lay hands on your own body and I want you to cast out the spirit of infirmity and I want you to have dominion over sickness. If you've been afraid to speak to somebody about the gospel, I want you to lay hands on yourself and say, Lord, I'm going to walk in authority and boldness and I want you to cast down that spirit. Those spirits have been sent to help you, not to destroy you. They're just trying to convince you that they're stronger than you.